Look, it's Ebro in the morning. Laura Styles, Rosenberg, had to jump out. Shawnee Coaches here. MSNBC presents Black Men in America, The Road to 2024. I'm assuming this is about voting. We have uh, Tremaine Lee and uh, Charles Coleman. Yes. Civil what rights attorney Charles Coleman. Yes, Do I got to say the civil rights part? You, you don't have to say the civil That's an important part, though. That's an important part. It, important it part. is. It is. I mean, you know, I like I like hearing it, so why not? Well, you guys are hosting a program that airs this Sunday, 9 o'clock, MSNBC. Yes, sir. Um, what is this about? Yo, you know what? We, we col- A rare collaboration. You know, we, we decided to join forces. Black men are, are missing in so many spaces. Mm-hmm. And with the 2024 election upon us, a very crucial moment. We said, you know, visible, invisible no more. Mm-hmm. Let's go around the country, talk to brothers, um, get some insight into how they're approaching the White House, mm-hmm. how they're approaching Biden, how their, their lived experience mm-hmm. are, are, are manifesting in the way they're thinking about politics. And so we decided, again, to team up, go to MSNBC, gave us a, a whole hour, which is rare. You rarely see an hour dedicated to black men and black men in politics especially. And so here we are, 9 p.m. So um, uh, we talk a lot about politics on, on um, Ebro in the morning. Uh, racial dynamics, politics, economics. We also goof around a lot and talk a lot of shit. Um, but I guess, Shani, you say we, we cover politics more than in a way that's probably more, I mean, at least we've been told that we cover it in a way that's more deliberate as well as, um, I guess, in your face than any other yeah, radio I mean, program. We, when you're talking about a hip-hop station, hip-hop base station, this is probably one of the top political content shows that are on the air, for now, sure, and in a palatable way. It's so much way. so that a lot of politicians don't even come by. He's scared. I, w- I don't want to say that they're scared as much as it's kind of like you're not finna tell us what we can and can't talk about or ask about. And, you know, a lot of the big-name politicians, they want a little bit more control. Um, I think also, too, because we're local, we're mm-hmm. more focused on New York City. We're not a national platform. So if... if if you have, if you're a politician that has a national profile, and you're trying to work national. We're not the show that's going to be on your on your slate. But I, but I think that's that's accurate and it's appropriate. If you are thinking about the format of what Hot 97 is in terms of its history, its roots, and where it comes from, and what it's meant to the culture, if you weren't discussing hip hop, I mean, if you weren't discussing politics, uh, politics you're missing the mark. How could you really call yourself a part of the culture? Like hip hop. Yeah has had politics in its DNA forever. And so mm-hmm. these conversations, like literally yeah. from the message, from the message forward, yeah. mm-hmm. that's all politics. Fight the power, self-destruction, all in the same game. That's all politics. Mm-hmm. Like, And after police, again, we could go down the list over and over and over again. And so in order to be what Hot 97 is, it has to honor the DNA that also has politics as a part of hip-hop. And I think that that's really about where the special hits a really important intersection. Black people, black men, we are having these conversations all, all the, the time. time. Sure. People right. don't understand yeah. that. And so it was very important for Tremaine and me to take the viewers to those spaces so that they could see and understand, oh, no, we are absolutely discussing and very these informed. issues. And very informed. Important. And that's why I think people are really going to love what we come out well, and, with and, on and, and intentional, because the way we live and die in America is political. Mm-hmm. When we're hungry and our bellies are burning, that's political. Mm-hmm. right? When the cops are stopping you every single day, that's political. And sometimes I think... When y'all telling us what hairstyles we can and can't listen, wear to work in school, it's political. Brothers getting suspended and kicked out of school because of their lives. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of times 
you know, we are ignored by politicians. They don't want to come to black men especially. And certainly we understand that uh, black women play such a crucial role, especially for the Democratic Party. But when it comes to black men, we are literally missing, right? And so brothers are saying, you know, Come, come talk to us. Come, come see us. If you, if you want our votes, you can't just come pandering at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to make sure we're taking people intentionally to the community. So one of the things we spent a lot of time on um, on the show and have over the years, obviously the uh, conversation that takes up most of the air is the national convo, whoever, the, whoever that is at the time, right? Um, the presidents and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We often push back, though, and try to really encourage people to focus on local. Right. So someone like AOC, who we had up here before anybody knew her on a national level, we helped get her elected. Uh, Jamal Bowman, someone else we helped get elected on this program. Um, the Brooklyn D.A., right, who, you know, has been instrumental in getting people out of prison and helping us deal with marijuana offenses, things like that. Um, Alvin Bragg was here early. Um, some of these people. So um, Mayor Adams used to come up. Yeah. Before he, he got the job. Yeah, I mean, then when he, he was in the street. And he was with French and Montana. We, and we ain't hearing from him no, no more. No, you got to get, you gotta now, get with French or Dipset or somebody else. Then yeah, he want to hang with rappers. You'll find him there. Well, and really saying. people who won't challenge him, let's be honest. That part. No. So the, the, the I, I, and I told him to his face. You can go look up the interview. I had told him to his face. I had a problem with him many years ago when he was the uh, borough president of Brooklyn. They put up billboards all over Brooklyn telling black men to pull their pants up, and yeah. I thought it was inappropriate. Wow. Yeah. Right? Why would you, on a public scale, try to reprimand young black men, right, for political gain as a black, as a black man? man. As a black I have a problem with that. Right. And now, you should. And, and, and by the way, and I agree, there's a time and place for you to be wearing your pants how you want to wear your pants, but you got to know how to fit in and code switch and do things to move along in society. Every, every environment is not going to accept you as you are around your way, right? right? Mm -hmm. And we live in a racialized world where black men have been ostracized, racialized, marginalized, all the eyes, mm -hmm. right? And so for us to take care of our families and our communities, we gotta go out into a world that don't really fuck with us. That's right. Right, and figure out how we are gonna get to that bread. And that's part of our challenge. Yeah, you gotta be, gotta be so, so nimble. I don't think people understand not only with the weight of the world on our shoulders, in our families, yeah. in our communities, and in the workplace, and you gotta step on eggshells and, and dodge the glass and be bilingual and trilingual and speak all the different yeah, languages, yeah. and that wears us down. And if we look at what's happening um, in, in terms of, of men more broadly outside of black men, there is a crisis right now mm. of depression and isolation. As, we, as we're getting older, we're having less uh, less so social mm -hmm. engagement with mm -hmm. folks, and so we're bearing the weight of all of this silently and then again, so and, and there's parallel between the way we're experiencing that in everyday life and the way we're experiencing that in politics. And, and I think the way we're pushed out of the door sometimes and pushed out of the window. I think people need to understand. And Ebro, like, you may not remember the last time you and I rapped like in studio was years ago. I was working on another project, Black Brilliance 360, mm -hmm. and we started talking about sort of like we our conversation went crazy. It was like food deserts, and we yeah. talked about a lot of different things. People don't understand or don't necessarily process racism and the issue of race in America as the public health crisis that it is. Mm -hmm. So you talk about locally the impact of race and what that looks like. It impacts where you live. It impacts where you go to school. It impacts what you learn. The air, it you, impacts breathe. The air you breathe. The access that you have, environmental factors like your air, your ability to get rest, like, you know what I'm saying, how much things cost you. And All it's not by things, accident. It's when not you look, by accident. When you, look right. at, when you look at New York City, a man named, y'all can Google it, a man named Robert Moses right. planned these roads in these cities to yeah, inflict man. harm both economically and environmentally on black folks, and, and specifically black folks, but 
poor people too. Correct, poor people. And, yeah. and so these things are systemic. So when you talk about our connection, be it on a local or a national level, yeah. that processing, like, yo, this is a... When you hear public health crisis, you think about policy. You think, you say, like, mm-hmm. oh, that's something that needs to be addressed through mm-hmm. policy. Yes. And all of these things that are having, that are literally bearing down on us from a community standpoint, from an individual standpoint, from the local level on up, they are policy connected. They are connected to politics. They're they literally, kill, literally killing us. Whether, how, it's, right. whether it's explicitly killing us or in the abstract. That stress. You talk about uh, lack, lack of rest, right? Black people on average get an hour and a half less sleep, mm. which leads to cardiac issues, yep. high blood pressure. Unstable then, emotions. Unstable emotions. So now you, you're all twisted and bound up. Then you have right? factor in the food. Right. Mm-hmm. And these other factors that, you know. Right. So, right. so, our, so our engagement in terms of the local aspect of what we're talking about is just as critical, if not more, than they are on a national level. Just understanding mm-hmm. the inter- interconnectivity, because a lot of people, unfortunately, the way that things are presented, and that's, I think, one of the, the tenets of the special that we were very intentional about, oftentimes the way that things are presented around the political conversation does not frame things in a way where someone says, why does this matter to me? Like, yeah, you're having this conversation about CRT in Florida, and I get it. I want proper narratives being told about my history and my culture. But ultimately, if I got three kids that I'm trying to support on... I don't give a damn about what you're right, talking about. Really, right, that's not really moving the, the money. Who's right. helping me get to the money? Where's the bag? How am I going to get to, you know... How are my kids' schools? Right, my, you know, those people. are the things that matter. And so what we wanted to do with this special, and hopefully what becomes a franchise at MSNBC... We, you're putting the pressure on them now. That's Hopefully what, it's a franchise. That's exactly, as you should. Exactly, as, you should. As, you should. as you should. Yo, right? Joy, Ari. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> right. Don't get us up here wild and y'all take care of these There you go, right? Let's so what we wanted talk. to do with this special <laughs> and what we wanted to do with, you know, like I said, hopefully this franchise is to frame things in a way that gets the public and the, and the, and the viewer to really sort of make that connection to those conversations that we are seeing about policy initiatives and what that looks like in their everyday lives. Because we're having the everyday life conversation, but we're not always making the connection. So let me, let, let's dig a little deeper. So um, I've been in media 30 years, um, and mostly, yeah, all of it have been around hip-hop media, radio specifically. And one thing I've learned um, is that most corporations have a hard time finding talk and speaking to black men, mm-hmm. which in turn, what ends up happening is they go, well, we don't know how to, where do they hang out? Where do they socialize? Right? Cause when they do their research, you know, and they go out and they trying to ask a black man questions on the street mm-hmm. or call a phone or get you to click on an email or yeah. why are you asking me all these questions right. yeah. and who are you? Yeah. Right. So there's a lot. And, and rightfully <laughs> so there's some paranoia when it comes to dealing with the institutions even in healthcare, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, black dudes be like, I don't know if I want to go to the hospital. Give you all this information, collect sure. all this data. Yeah. I don't know. Not that, but I don't even know if I trust what you're telling me I'm supposed to be yeah. taking. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know what the problem is? Facts. I remember I've been, was there, I was the first national reporter to write about Trayvon. No national reporter did that. I was on the ground in Ferguson early. And I remember those early days in Ferguson when it's on fire and what's fluorescent, ground zero. And we were having all these conversations about the lack of diversity on the police force. And then on this side of, of the police state, though, look at the media, we look exactly the same. And so when your newsroom reflects that same kind of mm-hmm. segregation, there's no way that's going to be reflected, right, 
adversely right. the other side. So there's no way you're gonna be able to talk to black men if you have no black men in well, the same thing in advertising agencies, right? Where are there black men in advertising agencies? Right. Are there black folks? Like I know that, you know, and shout to the black folks that are there, right. but what positions do we hold? Mm-hmm. And and here's the other part that makes this even more complicated. When you're talking about the black population in the United States, we make up 14% of the population, right? Um, and where are we spending our money? And do we control how we spend our money to make sure that we make an impact mm-hmm. on these companies so that they have to talk to us? Um, the Hispanic population does do that, right? Yeah. The Asian population does do that. If you're not speaking to us, we're not buying your shit. And so black folks, oftentimes, we don't require these companies to speak to us. Same thing with politics. Mm -hmm. Are we requiring these individuals Mm -hmm. to come speak to us? And furthermore, do we make up a large enough swath of the population to make an impact? The answer is yes, because strategically we're located. But I think that's the dig in where people really Mm got to understand. Because I often tell Sean, Mm -hmm. without Detroit... Philly, can't win. Milwaukee, can't win. Come on, can't win. Milwaukee showed us that in 2020. Houston, you can't Houston. win. The problem right? we're, so, we're in survival mode though. So, so I think I think certainly right. that you know we should be harnessing our power and our energy, but we're always being pragmatic and practical because we're just trying to survive. So a lot of times we don't have the luxury and the privilege to sit back and pontificate right, right, right. and politicians and have the salons. But we out here scrambling. Right. It's out also, here hungry, out it's, here dodging bullets. It's also I don't necessarily, and this was also something that really was the impetus behind the work that Tremaine and I have done. It's not necessarily just coming to talk to us because a lot of times that turns into talking at us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is sit down and have a conversation with us, mm-hmm. right? Like, and and, a good, and let a good, me be, a good faith and not a sinful. Yeah, a good faith right. Like you know, you coming to my church and sitting in the pulpit and telling me everything you've done for black people when you was fifteen, you came fifteen minutes late and you leave thirty minutes early. Well, I don't really get a chance to actually interact with you, but you go on social media and say, oh, I was at so-and-so, so-and-so. You know what's They're like, souls to the polls. And I hate that. Right, 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 don't right. Come, don't it's come. All, and God get people catching the Holy Ghost. It's just, well, it's, it's, about it, bringing souls on. to the polls and put a little twang in their voice. Is that what they said? And they do every, that's every, the, every that's cycle. That's one of the, one of the, 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 the mechanisms. I miss souls to the polls. Souls to the polls. That's crazy. So where that came from is it came from, and there was a lot of controversy around it, it really sort of emanated in the South primarily where the black church is still very much the thing. So what happened was you had early voting and early voting would go on through the weekend. And so they would like either on Saturday or on Sunday have initiatives like souls to the polls where they would get buses and take people to church. The issue that I have in terms of our current discourse, and this is the part that I think as a community, we've got to take some level of responsibility to our political discourse could be and it needs to be more sophisticated. And what I mean by that is all we sort of do is like register to vote, go vote. That's the end of the conversation for us. Facts. We don't learn how things work. We don't learn how to hold people accountable. Like in our minds, the only system of accountability that we have is oh we gotta wait for another election. That's the only thing that we can really do. That's the only thing we ever do. And they don't do. put money into it until GOTV get out the vote the literal last minute. That's as it. As opposed to building that voter education, building that that that, that machine of voters, right. that machine. Instead, it's the last minute. Here's some money to get souls to the polls. Here's some right. you know a little, little bread for for your pockets. Souls to, to keep polls. Moving. They want to get so, you at the entry level. Mm-hmm. But they don't necessarily want you to participate in the process. And then but then but then blame black people when they don't win the election. 
oh, look, they ain't turn out in Milwaukee. Philly ain't come out. Well, you weren't there in the beginning. Yeah, you you should have been come. there six yeah. months ago building that loyalty. Right. So how, how, um, how successful is voter education? Because that's really the bottom line. Yeah. And I say it all the time, too. I'm like, most people, to me, vote ignorantly. Well, yeah, I think, they I think they right. vote based on the marketing vote, and America, promotion. You can remove the word voter and say, how successful is education? Is education? Because, and and get my answer. No, and get my answer. No, he's absolutely right. But I'm saying, so if that's, the, if that's the bigger problem here, that people are just waiting for the next marketing uh, politician, and then they're waiting for the that vote. The next celebrity, the next yeah, whatever. Yeah, with that painting the best narrative for you like how are you getting people to really be a part of this voting process and trust the process right. well I think Ebro hit the nail on the head I mean you have to first and foremost understand what voting and the system itself can do for you and it's supposed to do for you and how it fits within larger systems now if you don't understand those connections telling you the value of voting by itself like as an abstract in a silo is not going to make sense Part of what we as a community, I'm speaking specifically to black America, it, are facing is that we don't necessarily have a political ideology. I'm going to give us a quick, quick history lesson. After Reconstruction, I'll make it as, ba as basic as possible. Our political ideology was, yo, give us our hammer, give us our nails, give us our saw, and we're going to go over here and we're going to build our own table. We're going to sit at our own table, we're going to build our own table, we make it work for us. At some point, for various reasons... You get Greenwood, you get Tulsa, you get a whole bunch of other things. It's not like various. It's, it's not white supremacy. Right. Okay. So in various, in various iterations, right. yes. folks were like, we can't even have our own table without y'all burning it down. Burning it down. Mm -hmm. All right, fine. Then we shifted to another political ideology, which is kind of sort of where we've been, which is, yo, we've earned a right at your table. Make space for us. Give us space to sit down. All right, fine. As a community, the first thing that we have to do is decide even if it's even if it's on the individual level, what is my political ideology? I'm going to vote, but why? What am I doing well, it for? I'm Break that I, down further, real quick. Okay. When you say ideology, sure. What do you exactly mean? I am talking about you are going to vote, and what are you expecting, or what do you believe, or what are you demanding that this system is supposed to do? Not necessarily from a specific policy angle, but from a general angle of. And that's why I said ideological. Are you looking for? control over your own community in such a way that allows you to self-determine or are you looking for more support or control from the government that's a basic example of your ideology mm -hmm. in terms of how you move i mean it's this is to your point about education this is seventh grade civ civics this mm -hmm. is like federalism versus states rights it, it, it really does come down to that we as a community like to do things like say vote blue no matter who Anybody but Trump. That's not a political ideology, you know, bro. Let me jump here. I, I'd argue, though, that we are actually, as, as a, a block, those who participate in those don't, actually more sophisticated than we give ourselves credit for. Because, let's go back to Reconstruction, the failed promise of 40 acres and a mule, the failed promise of an allotment of land so we could build our own nation. I think people understand the limitations of government. We're asking to get water out of a, a piece of wood. Right, we're That's squeezing. Really acting. You said water. You, it's we I said, it's water, man. It's water. water. This John, man. This John. Listen, listen. <laughs> but 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 seriously, I think we understand the system more than we get credit for because we know as long as the system continues to fail us, then how are we convincing a brother well, to come and, participate? And, and to your point. Um Ice Spice and A Boogie, Big Daddy Kane 
will be celebrating the life of the finisher, Mr. C. Mr. C, step swimming. Jadakiss, EPMD, Eric B and Rakim, Method Man and Redman, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Yours truly, the curator, the lit digital DJ, Funk Flex on the set. Hosted by Nessa, Ebro, Peter Rosenberg, and Laura Stout. 30th anniversary of Summer Jam. 30% off right now. This offer ends at midnight on Sunday. Tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Oh, you thought we wasn't going to get it right? He's on fire. And that's this is where Shawnee's usually at with it. We mm. already know the system fails us. I was frequently. just about to say so that. So why are we? Well, and for someone like yourself, mm -hmm. the real reason you don't vote is mostly emotional. Right. It's not even lie. You don't yeah, want to be a part of the emotional roller coaster of failed promises and, and the investment of time and energy in a system that doesn't feel like they invest in us. And, exactly and I wanted to ask in, in a in a country where in in this country, do you feel like people of color? feel protected by the politics of the system. Without people question, of color or black no. people specifically? Yeah, yeah, black people. I, I would say black people feel that we are un constantly under the gun. And we see at every turn, whether it's our water in Flint, Michigan, literally being poisoned. Do we realize that in 2022, police killed more black people than ever, more people, I'm sorry, more people than they ever have on record? And nothing was burning? And nothing... These are communities experiencing the weight of this trauma and violence every single day. Mm -hmm. That very real violence of the policeman's gun and the abstract violence of your your, your water is is poisoned. For and sure. so I think that there's zero doubt. Black people don't feel protected. Not only they, they right. feel exploited and used and abused because we see All it every single cycle. So it's incumbent, not necessarily upon us, let's do that civic and voter education, but when these politicians are going to de deliver a program that is specific towards black people. I've been around this country reporting on this stuff for years. And the one thing I hear time and again is when are they going to come with a program for us? Everyone else gets protection, right? Even other marginalized groups are getting pats on the back and we got you and some legislation. Right. What about black people? And now we're seeing... And how long are we going to hold our how, breath for that? And, and what are you going to expect after well, people are, are starving? My first spark when people say that is always, they're not. Then <laughs> Exactly. They're not. Unless so you next? force them to. I think, and, that, and, that, and how I do think, you force them I think, to? And so that's a great question. I'm, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Number one, another thing about political ideology, which I'm, you know, I do say as a sticking point, you have to have a non-negotiable somewhere. You have to have a line. And as voters, too. Black people, people have a line. I do we though? Because yeah, most, most 90, black people, because ninety two percent of us voting for Democrats well, no, every but that's election. The line. That's the line. <laughs> so no, but, and here's why: racism, white supremacy. We are not voting, and not, and I'm, you know, obviously some are. We are not voting for the candidate that the white supremacist racists like. But Ebro, I that's think, the line. I, I get I'm not it. saying it's right or wrong. No, that, no, no, no. I'm that, saying that's, 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 where, that's where we're also confused that there are white supremacists on the all left. Over the no, place. let me let that's me right. add a word that's that I always add. Let me yeah. add a word. Overt. Right. Okay, right. yeah, overt. Right. right. Play play we are not right. voting right. for the overt white supremacy right. candidate. I think that I think that I think that I think we need to be a little bit more aggressive where we put that line. But that's the individual choice. But to answer your question, but if my point is, we have a line. There's clearly a line. But that doesn't. But it's that, fuzzy. So let's. It's fuzzy. Fuzzy. Does it work? And it moves. No. And it here's moves. the thing. It moves. It moves. But, yeah. it moves. but here's the thing. If that's your line, right? Think. Let's 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 do it in reverse. Mm -hmm. If your line is uh, over white supremacists, then your demand, then your only demand. Your only hard demand it's becomes do don't be an overt racist. Do it quietly. That's your only demand. But that would be That's nice. That's nuts. That would be nice. <laughs> I 
Let's do it. Think cool, man. But you put your put your suit in the back. Right. Take your robe. And it's like at least lie to my face because they feel like part of the lie. But I want to go back to what Shadi said real quick though because it's really important, especially in today's conversation. Right now, with everything that people are talking about with respect to 45 and what he wants to do, so many people that I speak to from other communities... Wait, he, for, for uh, Donald Trump? Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and older black folks, they're like, yo, but it's democracy. Democracy is on the line. Democracy is on the ballot. And what Tremaine and I are trying to explain to people, to Shani's very point, and he articulated it beautifully... If you don't feel like democracy has ever worked for you worth a damn, mm -hmm. then you're not invested in protecting it. That's right. right. Because it hasn't served you. And that's a disconnect that I think that some of these campaigns need to really understand in terms of their messaging and how they're articulating things. And many of these electeds also need to understand you are not creating a winning argument or a compelling argument by saying democracy is on the ballot when democracy ain't meant nothing for us. Well, and also Democrats do horrible messaging. Um, and terrible messengers. Yeah, terrible messengers. They're too nerdy and polite. Get you, we feel like you're double-talking. You're not answering questions straight up. You're playing games, and people want straight answers, which mm -hmm. is why a lot of people sort to Donald Trump, is because whether they think he's telling the truth or not is a different conversation feels straight the up. fact that he's yeah. being direct yeah. about he's, what he's he saying. He says what he means, and he doesn't right, follow through. Right. And so I think... People are like, okay, well, if that's what it is, at least I know where you stand. Yeah. Because when you talk about black men, we're already accustomed to thinking everyone don't like us anyway. So we're already figuring out how to survive with the world that don't like us. Right. So another guy that don't like us, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? Y'all tried to kill us six different ways from Sunday, right? We still here. We still yeah. trying to figure it out. So we're not really scared of bro anyway. At Shani can tell you, the first thing I did when we walked in, when we found out Donald Trump had won the election, was the first thing I did. And y'all was but all was mad. like, good for you? I laughed. I wasn't mad. Rose but they was, yeah, people How was in tears. I yeah. was like, this is what America deserves, bro. Yeah. This is what you wanted. This is what, Learn the no, hard lesson. you got what you deserved. Yeah. What did I say when they was plotting January 6th on Twitter? And they were saying, we was on the air like, yo, they talking about something crazy finna happen January 6th. And everybody was like, yeah, they about to turn up. What did I say? Uh, remind me. I want to see it. Oh, yeah, but yeah, But you know what yeah. the problem with that is? I was on the air like, yo, they saying y'all But then once out. they do it. I want to see it. But then well, once you well, see it, you don't really, you know. No, when I saw it, I was like, yo. They really did it. that was black folks, oh, they would have had the snipers on the show. And they would have been clapping us straight. January 6th would have been 40 minutes long. But the fact that we would have been out there and gathered, we would have been like, nah, hold on. Right. Who would have said, nah, hold on? I'm saying if if we had gathered in Oh, mass, yeah, no, they oh, would have yeah, snipers yeah. on would've the would've roof. Been, oh, I've nah, been in nah, D.C. Nah. for different marches. Snipers so, on the roof. Yeah. With no, all but the broken... organizers would have been trying to get permits. You don't, you don't, you don't <laughs> ask permission to right. do what you got to do. do. Right. But the problem is, America most certainly will always get what it deserves and get what it wants. But I don't think we fully understand the erosion of actually what's happening here and what's actually mm -hmm. at stake. As long as they keep moving that bar and keep challenging it, it's only as sturdy and as good as our belief in it. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court is losing credibility because they get paid off. You look at the, 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 you know, the presidency and that the White House, it's losing credibility. And so don't be surprised. Donald Trump said, on day, I'll, I'll be a dictator. On day, day one. one. For one well, day. For one day. For one day. You know what he's going to do? He's already calling for retribution against his enemies. Yeah. As long as these, these institutions, whether as and failed say and flawed as they are. And I say know. it again. I want to see it. But don't really want to see it. Do we really want to see it? He don't want to see it. See it. It's the only it. way, y'all, it's the only way the conversation yeah. that we're having right now. Yeah. 
actually impacts people in a real way where they start understanding that this shit ain't a game. But we're not centered Otherwise, in that. But if we're not centered in that, then it'd be just worse for us. Because again, when America catches the cold, we catching the flu. We catching the I HIV. Think, well, the, no, the one but thing, clearly, clearly, black people that think it's a game and think that they're going to cast their vote for someone like him yeah. need to feel that. Because, unfortunately, those of us... Listen, man, people don't like hearing it. I say this on that radio all the time. Y'all can play around if you want to. I'm in a tax bracket. I'm gonna be all right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of us, most of us ain't. Right. And we don't, but see, the thing about it that we have to be careful with is that many of us don't necessarily have that option. And so what I try to express to people is we have to have a plan mm -hmm. individually and collectively, regardless of what happens in November. You can't on one hand say, well, the system has never really worked for us or done what they're supposed to do. But I'm putting all of my ba my eggs in in the Biden basket mm -hmm. or the Trump basket for that matter. Mm -hmm. Our lives are going to be determined by what it is that we do first and foremost. Yes, it may be easier or more difficult depending on who's sitting in the White House or who our elected officials are. But part of the problem is we cannot in one breath say, well, the system doesn't work for us, and then in the second breath, not create a plan for ourselves. You know, it's just the spirit of that, 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 that hammer and sickle you're talking about after reconstruction. Yeah, and we've done that in so many ways. We just don't see it. There are brothers in the community every single day feeding kids, right? Organizing uh, mm -hmm. voter registration drives. People are actually in the community doing it. So I, I think I think you're definitely right. But I think what we also want to do is we talk to some celebrities, some high-profile politicians, and everyday brothers in Chicago. Well, right. so um, Sunday, February 9th, uh, 9 p.m. on MSNBC, Black Men in America, The Road to 2024, Tremaine Lee, the brother Charles Coleman here. Uh, you guys talked to Benny the Butcher, who on Twitter said he was voting for Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, ben mm -hmm. Crump's on there. Al Sharpton's on there. Jeezy's on there. Uh, House Majority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, anyone else I miss on here? Big shout out to my brothers from Becoming a Man in Chicago. The young brothers whose name you'll, you'll never hear, but they are pulling themselves up. They, they are their brother's keeper, being there for each other. For me, I love the high-profile names. I love the power. I love the intellectual heft. But you like to see the every work. Single day, work. Every, brothers every single day for ourselves yeah. in our communities. That's as important as any mm -hmm. other. And I had a I had a, 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 a opportunity to talk to my MSNBC colleague, Michael Steele, and my man, Jerron Smith. Um, Michael Steele used to be the uh, Republican for Republican National mm -hmm. Committee chair, and uh, we talked about Black Republicans. Yeah. We have a whole we have a whole conversation that we laid it out about Black men who are aligned with the Republican Party, and I think it's going to be very interesting because when you think of Republicans, when you think of Black men in the Republican Party, I think people get a particular image about being disconnected from the realities nah, of Black people have been Republicans for a long right. time, right? And bro. so. The way that they lay out that conversation, I think, is going to open some people's minds. So that's also um, going to be a very interesting part of the special as well. Um, mm. I, I do want to kind of beat this drum, though, because this road to 2024, while I love that you guys are doing it, I hope that NBC comes back around and continues this conversation because here's why. For black people, it ain't about the federal election. It's right. not about the national. It's not about national. It is about our neighborhoods, our cities, and mm -hmm. our schools. Right? right? We're fortunate to live, I don't know where y'all live, but we live here in the tri-state. Right? Right in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Like, this area, it, we live in a bubble. You know, you go to Brooklyn, it's black schools. It's black mm -hmm. run schools. It's black schools targeted to black individualism and black nationalism. Shout out to PS11. Boom. Mm -hmm. That are public schools. Right? Like, we here have done work over generations to carve out spaces that we fight for, right? Mm -hmm. On a local level, yeah. right? Um, but, 
you know, this national conversation, I feel, I always feel like it leads us into chaos and confusion. And I don't think we see each other or hear about, like you said, the work happening in Chicago or the work happening in a city like Philly or, you know, shout to my brother, uh, Black Thought, you know, who got gets people out to vote on local yeah. elections in Philly and, you know, is constantly doing work, right? Um, so I think that's kind of missed. So once again, we don't see each other enough. Mm -hmm. Jermaine, when, when Jermaine and I had this conversation, like I just want to point this out, right? So you talked about representation. You talked about seeing each other. And you talked about our voices. Right now on cable news, there's no black man that's on primetime TV, period. After Don Lemon left, there's no black man that's on <laughs> primetime TV. Now we've got Jonathan Capehart and we've got... Uh, Reverend Al. Are we watching primetime TV, though? Well, I mean, that's, that's the question. Like, our demographic, the men who are in this room, Shiny, Ebro, Tremaine, myself, our demographic in terms of just across the spectrum, not necessarily our race, but it's been shown that for a number of years, the leading news source for our demographic was actually The Daily Show. That's which right. is wild. Mm. John Stewart. Right, which is wild, right? But part of, that, part of that is credibility. Mm -hmm. Part of that is like being a trusted messenger where you are able to say, I'm gonna listen to Ebro because I know he's gonna get the narrative right. Mm -hmm. I know, I know when he unpacks this story, Tremaine is gonna tell the truth and he's gonna understand the way that I am looking at it, so that when he asks questions, he's thinking about the things that are on my mind. Mm -hmm. I say all that to say, uh, when Tremaine and I sat down, uh, funny enough, like we had never met. Uh, we we were familiar with each other's work, but we had a very similar idea. And what that told me instantly was we got something that people really want to see because we know in our conversations, siloed as they may be, we're saying the same things. And we want to hear all of the things that Ebro was just talking about. We're looking for somebody to tell those stories and to have those stories amplified. So real talk, you know, when we, when we, we sat down, Went back to the boss lady. Shout out Rashida Jones, president of MSNBC. Uh, we went out, went back down, sat with Rashida. She was like, all right. Because that was that way you talked about Ebro. That was like where we started. She's like, go, go do something. She was like, Put go do something. Together, and she was out. like, I just need you to, she was like, I need you to make it work within the space of, of politics in 2024. Mm -hmm. But our, our hope and our prayer is once they see this work on Sunday and once this drops, they're going to be like, oh, no, nah, we, we And, and who, need, who, we better to, who honestly better to do it? My man, a civil rights attorney, working in the, those levers of power, made 20 years in the game telling our stories, intentionally telling our stories and centering us. And back to what you said earlier about this idea of getting lost in the national, a lot of people, and sometimes some people in our newsroom, some people in, in you know, middle-class people, Watch this as it's a horse race because it doesn't affect them. Right. It actually affects us. But if you run run behind this horse, you won't step in something. That's right. Right. So you gotta get ground level and understand how the mechanisms of power and politics actually work. That's facts. Yes. Sir. Listen, uh, Black Men in America: The Road to Twenty Twenty Four. Um, I think something else that needs to be tapped into um, because I know they're gonna give you extra episodes. Um, is Manifestation. how is how these things affect Black men and their families. Yo, right. So <laughs> the how invisible we are on a national level, right, also affects how we're seen in our communities mm -hmm. locally, how we're seen right. in our households. And, you know, for generations, emasculating and devaluing the black man has been how they fractured the black family. Right. So when we're not a part of these conversations, when we're not 
seen mm-hmm. as valuable to the greater ecosystem, whether that be local or national, that further f- fractures our households. The way America sees us and the way we see ourselves, so often, and we work in a news business, where it's only through the lens of pathology. It's always, we're talked about, and this is one thing that, and again, I've been around long enough, I'm a veteran, I can say this, sitting back and watching white folks talk about us in a <laughs> very specific kind of way, mm-hmm. that's only... Your only intention to speak about us or in our communities, our experience, is through the lens of the carceral system and incarceration, or when our bodies or are charity. our charity, or our bodies are baking under the sun, dead from a police bullet. Then you want to talk about us? Oh, the black man, the black man. Come mm-hmm. on now. Or the mm-hmm. performative side, right? Yeah. We're great on basketball, mm-hmm. the NFL, right. you know, right. all, the, love, all love. the magical things that we're able to do because of our physicalities, et cetera, et cetera. I think, and I think that you hit the, you really did hit at the heart of what the vision for the project is overall, like as a franchise, like getting more real estate for us means we get to really take a deep dive on black men and fatherhood. We get Mm -hmm. to really take a deep dive on some of the nuances around, let you know, Tremaine and I have talked about education. We've talked about the the, the economy, like for example, and and, and this is, this is my man's joint. So I don't really want to step on his toes here, but there's all this conversation a lot about like the working man, the working class, right? But within that, there's a subset of conversations that exist around black men in that space, black people in that space. How are you going to talk about Ohio and Youngstown without talking about black people? That becomes the poster child for, oh, the white working class. They're black. They're, Youngstown is a majority black city. Mm. There are people who came up from the South, end up in Gary, Indiana, mm-hmm. in Milwaukee, in mm-hmm. Chicago, in Detroit. I said, in I said the same thing to myself oh, when no. they was just recently talking about Iowa. I was like, y'all didn't stop by Waterloo. Waterloo. Yeah, you didn't go to you didn't go you didn't go to Waterloo. Sixteen percent right? a higher percentage of black people than the national average. And, black and, and not even that, you didn't even go to the projects in Ankeny because there are projects right there right. that are chock full Big of. Big shout us. to the homie Nicole Hannah Jones from Waterloo. Yeah, yeah, Waterloo. Shout Waterloo. out, yeah, shout yeah. out Nicole Hannah Jones. Um... The other thing that that I think is important is that there's a lot of nuance to some of these issues, right? So when we talk about in in mass, the democratic staple, one of the democratic staples around like two way uh, Second Amendment is generally speaking um, different gun laws and 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 more. They they call it sensible gun control. It's not necessarily wrong with that. No. But if you are a father of four in the middle of Chicago where there's a ton of urban gun violence, right? You may be looking at that as a different issue in some respects, not because you don't intend to follow the law, not because you don't intend to be law-abiding or you have any reason to misuse it, but you're thinking about it in the context of protecting my family. Mm-hmm. That's a very different type of discussion. We are the only ones they talk about in terms of limiting some of our rights mm-hmm. right. as black people. And again, this is not me being pro-gun or anti-gun, but I'm saying is if we are reaching for full citizenship, which we've never experienced in this country, I would argue black people are not full citizens mm-hmm. and we have to fight for it every single time. Mm-hmm. That why would we be excluded or exclude ourselves or allow politicians to exclude us from certain rights? Especially when our lives, we are so much more likely to, to, to die by police violence, sure. community violence. Why wouldn't someone from the Democratic Party, perhaps the, the left, be speaking more specifically to that issue around black men and second It's a ver- It's an example of the nuanced conversations that we would like to explore because they, reser- they deserve a much more uh, uh, definitive and a deeper dive in terms of its treatment, education, all of these things. The, the point that I wanted to lay out very early on in this special and in this franchise is when you ask the average voter, what are the three biggest things that are on your mind? You're not going to get all the time hugely different answers. But what they mean and how they express themselves are extremely different. 
So if I said, are you concerned about the economy? Shani might be like, yeah. If I go out and I ask, you know, someone else uh, a couple blocks away from here, are you concerned about the economy? They're going to say, yeah, what things cost and all of that matters. But the way it shows up for Shani or you or me is very different. And that's mm -hmm. what we're trying to explain. The issues are the same, but the way they look and the way they manifest are extremely different. And they're, they do it in a way that many people may not be thinking. We are about. not a, we are not a monolith. No, right. There is a lot of gray area and the intentionality it takes to go to the people. And so that's what we're doing with this special. We're actually going out to black men specifically. And also, our team behind the scenes, the producers. Shout out Randy Johnson. This shout is out the Tanisha blackest Harris. team I've ever worked with at MSNBC. Shout out Omanea. So shout everybody out Omanea. Shout out So are you Malaya. saying to us right now that MSNBC cares about black men and our opinion? Well, I'm going to say I'm gonna say without question, yes. Because they don't have oh, yeah? to do this. We These networks can do whatever they want. For Rashida Jones, and again, I hate... Having to clap the thing, but no real talk. Our president of MSNBC, Rashida Jones, sat down with us, gave us the green light, didn't have her hands all on it, said, y'all brothers know what you're doing. Go out there and tell a story that's important and connects to the energy around the election. So I, I would say that, you know, in this moment, we are in position to tell stories that have not been told in that network. I, I, I'm going a, I'm to a pull a, a, a semi-bald one on you. I can't tell you what MSNBC does or does not care about. <laughs> but I can tell you. But what I can tell you... Is that after you watch this special on Sunday, you will be very clear there isn't anything and there hasn't been anything like this on any other cable news network. So for them to give us an hour, for them to give us a budget, for them to allow us to do the work that we wanted to do on this project, I can't tell you where their hearts are. I can tell you where they were allowing us to get airtime and advertise the sponsorship and do all the things that are necessary. And, and come for the news, stay for the beers. It's mad black beards in the building. Correct. Oh, yeah. a lot of, there are a lot, there's a lot of beard come, action. Come Sisters, there's a lot of beard action. I mean, I mean I'm happily married. Not show. me, though. Uh, not, not for me. Oh, I'm man. just saying. Just saying. A lot of beard action on the show. No, but yeah. I mean, so. But you know, you know. Mr. C. Mr. C. Step swimming. Jadakiss. EPMD. Eric B. and Rakim. Method Man and Red Man. Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Yours truly the curator, the lit digital DJ, Funk Flex on the set. Hosted by Nessa, Ebro, Peter Rosenberg, and Laura Stale. 30th anniversary of Summer Jam. 30% off right now. This offer ends at midnight on Sunday. Tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Oh, you thought we wasn't going to get it right? <laughs> He's on fire. Women love seeing black men have information, mm -hmm. right. application of information and wisdom and yeah, knowledge, right. yeah. care for their communities and families. Like that's something that women love because they see men activating uh, around future and family planning. Because that's what voting is. Right. Right. Voting is hiring individuals. <laughs> to do specific jobs yeah, yeah. for a term limit, for a limit of time, for you to execute because I have to go to work. Yeah. And so I need you to go on the local level, state level, federal level to make sure that the money they taking from my check 
It's probably comes me back right. into my community yeah, the right. way it needs to to benefit right. my family. Yeah, that right. is le- that is what for me. It voting is that's about. A, that's a that's a great sales pitch right there because I don't think we talk enough about. I love that. that this is yeah. for future security to make sure. Sometimes it's very granular, like my schools, the economy, the job. But no, this is family planning. This yes. is future planning for our community. Yes. Yeah. So 1, let me ask you. Let me ask you. When it comes to politicians and the promises that we hope that they're going to keep up, how do we hold them accountable? That's a good well, uh, and also understand because that we, See, we and, often and feel like we're let down. Me and Shawnee debate this a lot. A For sure. This is what I, this is, we need to start using a different word other than promise. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk this is the promises like, they make. I'm going to respond. But, yeah, ahead, I'm, I'm gonna toss this to you, but, but think, real quick, though, can we start calling people out and say that's a nice proposal? It's not a promise. You can't keep it. But you got to understand There's what you do. There's too many factors. You got to understand their yeah. For you, I, I know that people don't want to hear proposal. They want to hear promise so they can hold you accountable. But we can't other than getting you out and electing someone else. But you got to understand what the limitations are. So uh, obviously we don't want the president of the United States making promises he cannot keep. That uh, I'm a center blackness and I'm going to do all these things. Right. When it takes Congress. And so then we need to understand that. In order Let to hold them... But then if, if we need to understand that, they have to... They should say it differently. Because if it's say, I promise when I get in office or this is what I'm going to do, then you're lying if you know already that there's... And sometimes they are. There's red tape in front of you. Well, now when that, you actually want to make it happen. And I'm fine with they say, I promise my priority will yeah. be. I, I like think, that. I like that. Because I, I could be like, let me see if you prioritizing yeah. that. But stop telling me you're going to get something done right. when you can't really get the shit done. I, you because then people don't trust you and it makes them not necessarily want to support dudes after you right. either. I think that the first thing you got to think about in terms of accountability is making yourself valuable to the system beyond your vote. So we can't have this conversation about the political system without discussing the amount of money that's in politics. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a multi-million dollar person to have a, a voice or to make a difference, but you do gotta be organized. So if your local politician knows on my block we formed a political action committee. What is a political action committee? It allows you to give a certain amount of money that, you know, you know, it has different rules than if you're giving as an individual. And by um, the way, when y'all see the word PAC on correct. something, that's what that is. Political PAC action or super PAC, that's exactly what yeah. it is, right? So our block, our block has a political action committee. And we all agree that we're going to donate $10 a week to this PAC. And that we're going to support local candidates, whatever. Well, now when you talk about accountability... You're not doing what I need you to do. You're not doing what you said you're going to do. I don't know whether <laughs> our pack is giving you. It may not be a ton of money, but think about it. We're not, we're, if you think about it this way, we're not donating money to candidates that we want to lose. So we're going to be donating money to candidates that we are trying to help win. So that means that not only am I giving you money, but I'm going to vote. Because I don't want my money wasted. Mm-hmm. And then I'm probably encouraging other people I know to go vote for you because I also don't want my money wasted. You want to give all that up, Mr. Candidate, by not doing what you... That's how you start building measures for accountability. Let me ask, let me ask you this, John. Obviously, we're here to be you know, interviewed by you guys. But, but what is the approach to a lot of brothers who are completely checked out because they do not believe in the system? They do not believe that a country founded on white supremacy will ever do anything for us. So when you look at turnout mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, I love Philly. I love Pennsylvania. When you look at some of the, the turnout numbers, 
a lot of black folks are just not turning out, have checked out, have taken an offering. So what is the message? Not necessarily saying, hey, you have to prove yourself to them sure. and show your value and hold them accountable with your dollars. But those who have checked out because they don't see their day-to-day lives, regardless of the election cycle, ever change. Improve, ever I change. think, I uh, think interpersonally, right, if you're someone who cares about community, regardless of the politics of it, you need to be willing to challenge your brothers to say, like, I right, cool. You're not messing with it. I get it. What's your plan? I, if, let's take politics. Let's take. We're not talking about voting. We not. What's your plan? You just gonna stay here? You gonna sit here? You not. Well, you don't most of their plan is to try to get the bag and move away from that area. Sure, right. but okay. okay so let's conceptually. Talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about how do we. But that. But that would be my response. Let's talk about it. So you. Just, this is just good for you and your family. That's it. Or you, or you, or you like, care like, about yeah. your family. They That's like it. Like, yeah. like, they like it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And that, and I think I think you're right. And I think Ebro. That's one of the things that has been that's miffed me about black men for uh, uh, the past like 10 to 15 years. I've been really thinking about that. Our investment in what it means to be in community has to evolve. So I, I had a lot of blowback because I was on the air and I said, too many black men think they're white men. Y'all trying to be white men. <laughs> and you don't think that your future and your child's future is, is tied to someone who looks like yeah. you. Even on a global scale, when right. we talk about Pan-Africanism and as Africa goes, so do black people in America and black people around the globe, yeah. right? When Africa is powerful and seen as a location on the map that has wealth and uh, stability and has some, you know, global economic prowess, the view of other black people will change as we deal with white supremacy and, and how that goes. We are all interconnected. Most black people, well, let me not say most, too many mm -hmm. black people don't see that value, right? Because we live in a capitalist society that is white supremacist and white dominant, and it's not like that for them. And so we think that is applicable to us and that's it's like not. we think that's our the, model. The, 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 the one thing that one of yeah. those stats that, that always shocked me is the likelihood of your children um, <laughs> making less than you and falling back. Upward mobility in our community is nil because we don't have anything to pass on. We have an inherited wealth. We talk about housing as a driver wealth. Housing in America is the wealth, yeah. right? And so if you're trying to play this funny game, your kid, whether it's how that's being seen by the police or the credit bureau or the, the loan manager or the originator trying to get that house, it's so much more fragile, right? So we can play these games if we want, but to your point, in centering community first and how do we make decisions for the, 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 the best for all of us, but again, we're in survival mode. And so it's hard to convince that right. brother who is scrambling. He is just trying to get that bread to move on. Yeah, and, and you need shows like yours that are given different types of exposure, right? right? Because everything that we've been brainwashed with, and we can't deny the television brainwashing us. If you look at, well, go back IG, to the Jeffersons, right. he left the hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at different strokes. They got out of the hood. You look at Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They've all left the hood. There's no reflection of going back and trying to, it's like assimilate Ali, into these whiter, brighter neighborhoods and just get your money right is what we've been shown on TV for a long time. Well, one of the things I, I, I you know, I'm, and I'm, it goes back to what Ebro said 
about uh, you know what I'm saying his flex on the tax bracket. All jokes aside, is um, listen if y'all gonna be out here wilding and not listening, bro. Yeah, get some money and leave out and right, move right, out the no, hood. But what they, this what you saying too? Y'all not playing. Y'all not seeing the <laughs> game. Saying, well, saying. Y'all not seeing the game, bro. Oh, that's the game, no, we, and we, that's what most people in the hood feel is the game. We want get your money. No, when I say they not, no, no. When I say they not seeing the game. They're not seeing how we're all interconnected, and when we work together, we can we can yeah. force yeah. the yeah. systems. If yeah. we are coherent, logical, and informed, yeah. and we lock in with one another just on our mutual Correct. struggle, Correct. not religion, right. not even political affiliation, none of that, on what we are trying to accomplish as melanated people in a society that was not designed you know you know the problem is you know the problem is it's middle class black people right i went to south africa for two weeks this summer and when you see that there are still there's barbed wire and mm -hmm. there's high fences and there's the 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 townships and then there are black folks here and i see the only thing standing between the people rising up and the powerful are the black people who can benefit most from the situation right because they like, wanted they wanted to stay status and that's quo. us here because yeah. man i'm not see man you can't come here making all this noise man i'm about to come get fired right right so we are i'm gonna lose my we, job it, 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 it's it's <laughs> us because and then yeah. there will be these these political proxies who go out to kind of calm the waters and not mm -hmm. saying we want any violence or loss of life or loss right. of anything but there are people who go out there and say hey hey don't be too mad about this we talked about establishing lines what happens when you cross that line yeah. what happens when you continue to deny people mm -hmm. at what point is there a real reckoning whether that be political or otherwise right well I, I, one thing that you know this conversation makes me proud about as i you know i'm eagerly anticipating sunday and the release of the special is the breadth of real diversity that's represented in the conversations right. because we all have different perspectives and we all come from different walks of life whether that's regionally whether that's socioeconomic or culturally in terms of like yo your family may have a different background from the caribbean you might be directly from the continent i might be black american fba ados however you want to call it that is really important because Sometimes in today's dialogue, to your earlier point, Tremaine, we think of like issues around black men. Damn, they get shot by police. That's terrible. Or this sort of like downtrodden narrative around how we show up. And there's nothing that isn't valid about how those stories need to be told. But at the same time, to the conversation we was having before we got on, I've never been to jail, respectfully. Don't mean I can't go. <laughs> Don't mean that you know that could change it's a constant one. Uh, cloud. It's a constant thing that I think about, but at the same time, and just for the audience, just know we was talking about knocking somebody out, and the fact that that person looked threatening a Navy SEAL who was a racist. Correct. Just That's to give right. y'all the full context. Like, right. If you got to put the paws on him, just don't let him grab you, knock him out, because he a Navy no SEAL. Right. 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 And you're gonna be all right because you ain't got no pride. There you go. So, but but and I felt threat. But in terms of. In terms of the conversations that impact us in community, they're at a lot of different levels, right? So people make the mistake of thinking, oh, well, you know, you multi-degreed or what have you. You you work for, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, LLP at a law firm. You ain't got to deal with the same issues I got to deal with. Actually, I do. Of right, course. like actually, my navigation is, it looks, it looks a little bit different than yours, but there's still a navigation. And I think that, you know, for anybody who's, responsible for messaging, responsible for policy, responsible for actually advising elected officials. They need to see something like this so they can say like, yeah, okay, so police reform. That's what you're going to do for us? What else? Top 97 Summer Jam, 30th anniversary, 2-0.
Montana, DeVito, Roller Brook, Cash Cobain, Bass Wang, Doja Cat, Honey Baby, Fabio Fari, 41 Cal Rich, Jet Carter, Tata, Chef G is home, baby, Sleepy Hollow, Connie Diamond, 310 Baby, Celebrity Host, Ice Spice and A Boogie, Big Daddy Kane will be celebrating the life of the finisher, Mr. C, Mr. C, Step Swimming, Jadakiss, EPMD, Eric B and Rakim, Method Man and Red Man, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns, yours truly the curator, the lit digital DJ, Funk Flex on the set, hosted by Nessa, Ebro, Peter Rosenberg, and Laura Stout, 30th anniversary of Summer Jam, 30% off right now, this offer ends at midnight on Sunday, tickets at Ticketmaster.com, oh you thought we wasn't gonna get it right, he's on fire, There's a lot of other things we're concerned about. What else you got? And not, and, you know, that's and, it. And, and, and not just, you mentioned this earlier, and not disassociating yourself from the people, right? I mean, I think there is that impulse, the same way get out, get out the hood and go to a nice neighborhood. There is like, you rise up in the ranks, and I, I'm, I'm dressed nice, and now mm. oh, those people, we're different. Mm. And again, we all come from different walks of life, but it's important for us to always hinge to the heartbeat of the people. Because a lot of times, it's not that people don't have a voice, it's that these systems have intentionally muted those voices. And so when we get these mics and we get the cameras and we have this platform to be here with y'all and tell New York City about what's going on with the special, it's important for us to always, when they see us, that they see the people. And again, we are varied. We are multidimensional. There are multitudes within us, whether it's the hood, a middle class, or wealthy. Make sure that they see a block because we are so separate and there is no strength yeah. to separate. Yeah. Listen, Black Men in America, The Road to 2024 is Tremaine Lee. That's Charles Coleman Jr. over there. Um, these brothers clearly know what they're doing, and we're going to see what they deliver on Sunday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And well, so Tone we need 10. some social assets, all right? So just to be clear, I need some sort of something that helps me, you know, because you know what's going to happen. We need to get this thing trending. Yes, sir. We need yes, to get sir. this thing yes, moving. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Black people are the most engaged group on social got media. We and got you. the ability to move things around. And so let's see. Let's see. We got you. We got some key yeah. art that's amazing. We're going to have some clips. Um, you know, they're running promos on the on the network now, but we're going to get you the social stuff, some clips and and and. and you know, so you can really get that out there and, and, let me and see, let me see, see what let me we're see the numbers. Let me see As we wrap, this, this, is a, this, is a, this is like a, a proof of concept. Mm -hmm. So let's make sure that we're voting with our numbers. And the, the numbers As, as we wrap, um, we'll start with you, Tremaine. Um, what is your opinion of the work the Biden-Harris administration has done so far? Now, what I would say from my position as a journalist and correspondent for MSNBC, I think that the one thing that we can say, and this has been a concern for a lot of people, is when he was inaugurated, he said, I'm going to make racial and social justice not just a hallmark, but a center of my administration. Mm -hmm. And he has early on pushed and tried to center you know, um, our communities. But I think for too many black people, um, it's not enough. It's, it's not enough. And it hasn't been enough. What about for you and what you understand? You know, I, I think that um, broadly, I think this is a, a, a flawed system. And so I'm not clear that any of this will ever serve black people honestly and truly. Because, again, my, the way I view our, our experience in America is that we're not full citizens yet. And so um, has this administration served us more than the, net, the one before? No. But none of the, I don't know if none of them, because our people, when you look at short, sheer numbers, whether it's white folks having a, a ten times the wealth of black people, when you look at the, the rates at which we're dying from um, disease, when you look at um, the, the rate at which we are incarcerated or killed by the police or a growing number killed by suicide or killed by a bullet or a blood clot, the way we're dying from cardiac arrest. So 
that's where I look at this. So we're always putting pressure on all the systems and making sure that we're telling the truth. So it's not in my you know place as a journalist to say what I, how I feel about this administration. Mm-hmm. But writ large, I don't think the system served us very well. I'll say just caveat there that the, this particular Justice Department, the Department of Justice, the amount of cases that they brought against police departments at the state level for their racist behavior is higher than any other administration that we then I think we've seen in recent history according to reports well and now for you Charles how is in your opinion the Biden Harris administration doing so far well I ain't a journalist you, you so say, say, I can say whatever I want to say I walk up that line and step on back uh, you can say what you want to do brother <laughs> I think that the Biden administration has been good for America. I think that I I, I think it's very, very uh, different when you're having a conversation about black America because and people sort of conflate the two. I think that when it comes to black America, there are things that there are some spillover. There is some spillover. So if you improve infrastructure, if you pr- improve prescription drugs, and we're adversely affected by that, but did we did our businesses get the federal contracts? Correct. So right. So right. So so there is some spillover in some areas, and in other areas, uh, there isn't. I think that the Biden administration, particularly because this began way before Kamala and the vice president uh, became a part of, well, Vice President Kamala Harris became a part of that administration. Joseph Biden has to be President Joseph Biden has to be. Uh, very honest about his missteps with our community before we can take him seriously. I think that there are a lot of people who still harbor a lot of resentment about what some of his actions as a senator for 40 years meant for our community well before he got to be president. And we can't cognitively get past that. So from a messaging standpoint, there has to be a little bit more of an acknowledgement before we can really process what's happening current day. Because it's like, well, yeah, you did this in the past four years, but the 40 before that... The racial jungle. Yeah, it was, it was, it was now, a monster clarity, out there. The racial jungle comment... Was That's based, not the only one. It's the well, no, but I, he super predators. It's, it's, yeah. the super, you got the super predators. You have his issue on busing as a center. I don't want to necessarily run down his tour well, no, history. The only reason race. I want it because it does come up and we're here and you talk yeah. about the road to 24. The racial jungle comment, the context was that he didn't feel that bringing black children and busing them yeah, in the busing issue. Was, was that our society was ready for that. Right. That was his comment. Um, but the jungle word makes it feel like it was directly at black folks. Yeah. But the truth was, so I read, that he was saying, if you watch the whole clip, which I don't think most people have, it was an argument that we don't have systems in place to make sure that this doesn't come chaotically racial and tense. This isn't a shot at Joe Biden, but historically the idea that we're just not ready for you guys to have equality yet. Right. We're just not ready that's the, to have you that's have the access issue. to the, the separate, unequal. Right. And we're just not ready yet because America, we meaning we, are just not ready to do that. So, yes. Is he wrong? Put, he's not. Was he wrong? <laughs> was he wrong? Because I'll tell you something. Unpopular. When Obama was running, what did I say? America ain't ready. Why? Because the response to Obama clearly <laughs> showed America did not really like. But it's very but, but but it's important that you understand something. Yeah. You saying that America isn't ready as someone who exists on one side of that power structure mm-hmm. and understands it differently is very different yes. than someone who's in control That's of right. the power saying structure. Saying we're not ready. Saying For you're sure. not ready. For because sure. you we're have the ability to force the readiness, whether it's 
I forget the governor who in Mississippi had to call in troops with James Nabrit at uh, at Ole Miss. Yeah. But whether you know whether you have the you when you are a part of that That's part right. of that structure, you have the ability to say, actually, we gonna get ready. If that requires right. a national guard, we're gonna use the national but guard. You, but you got the segregation today, segregation tomorrow, right. segregation forever. Right. Uh, George, um, yeah, George Wallace. George Wallace. 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 Yeah, George Wallace. up running for president and getting a lot of black votes. They had an assassination attempt and they shot him. And after that, he came out and went to the black voters, and a lot of black people actually voted for him. But yeah, to answer your question, a wild twist. To wow. answer your question, Ebro, the Biden administration has it's been I like it's been I has it earned a second tenure office? Depends who you talk to. I think that ultimately. It is really going to be about the messaging. Um, I think that there has been a lot of conversation that has been very clear about why people may not prefer another term of 45, which is fine if that's, you know, that's where you want to sort of push your 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 agenda. But that's still not enough for a lot of us. And, and Shani's earlier point really like hits home. Okay, cool. You've you've convinced me why 45 is not the guy. But why have you convinced me or how have you convinced me to get up out of my bed and actually vote for you? Especially like in New York. 45 ain't winning New York, right? right. Like we know this, right? right. 45 not winning New York. He's probably not winning New Jersey and he's probably not winning Connecticut. So you got the tri-state right there. So if I'm a if I'm a listener, right? And I'm thinking about, well, I know my vote here in this jurisdiction Chances are he's not going to win anyway. How have you motivated me, given that, to actually get up, go to the polls, and vote? Because don't mean you'll go vote right. for the, the other guy. It means you might not vote at all. That's the issue. Right. And if you That's shave the real off, issue. margin by margin, shave that off, and then you end up with... So the number was 7 million, the popular vote, the mm -hmm. distance between the two. The key cities last time were Philly, Milwaukee, Detroit, right? Black cities. Black cities. Um, so... For this to be something different, let's call it, let's say, uh, two million people flip, flip. Another two million stay home. You don't need that many. You need. You, uh, we talked to Cornell Belcher about this. He's a Democratic strategist and pollster. He gave us a statistic that blew my mind. If ten percent of black men in these swing states stay home, it's That's over. It. That's it. You don't yeah. even need that many. That you yeah. was talking about. Ten percent. Because the, the numbers in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, so and Michigan that were so tight. Like, you're talking, what, 100,000 here, mm -hmm. 10,000 there. 10% stay home? It's and that's what they're gunning for. Because the GOP yeah. ain't trying to grow. No. They win. And they want to cause confusion, apathy. They win by subtraction, not by addition. That's that's, that's right. Cornell's joint. They don't win by adding people. They just win by getting you to stay home. And and, and, and through that lens, they may have already won. You know how emboldened a, a certain segment of the population will be if Donald Trump is reelected, right? Regardless of where we stand. Remember that what happened that first time. You had. It doesn't mean that if you vote for Trump that you're a white supremacist, but a white supremacist is voting for Trump. That's right. Right. They're going to be off the chain. Can you imagine? Oh, they gonna celebrate in the street. And oh, unleashed sure. Donald Trump, so not bound by anything. He already told you what he's gonna do, and that's where obviously. And then all of the cases that he got go on pause, so he never see jail. Oh, I gotta give. And I'd have told y'all from the rip, if he don't go to jail and or lose a lot of money, America is washed Super because washed. you will have a continual repeat of this individual until 
Yeah. I, I, Forever. Yeah, there, there was a point or you this made. type of individual, not right. him per se, but right. this type. Everybody's trying to be Trump made. light. Everybody I, is also falling in line. All the yeah. other politicians we see on the, on the right. I, I do have to give a, a real quick acknowledgement, a real quick shout out. You talked about the numbers of police investigations that have occurred at DOJ. That is because of one reason, one reason only. I'm really clear about this. Kristen Clark who is the head of the DOJ Civil Rights Organization. She's a black woman. She's from New York. She is from Brooklyn. Uh, I'm sorry, she's from the Bronx. Um, she's an amazing sister, a young sister. This woman is is barely, I, I don't even think Kristen is, is 50 yet. Um, she has done amazing work with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and then now is DOJ. She's the reason. They've tried her too. She, and they, they have tried, tried her. Tried. So we, i got to give a shout out to her. Like, uh, this is not to take anything away from the administration or from Merrick Garland. Obviously, they had to be in a position to get her appointed. But for anybody who doesn't know, that black woman is the reason that we have seen this many investigations and prosecutions of police departments across the country. She's so, been a real deal shout for out to Kristen. Yes, she is. She's she's like that. Kristen is like that. Black okay. men in America, the road to 2024, MSNBC, this Sunday, 9 p.m. Charles and Tremaine, thank you so much. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having Appreciate us, bro. Yes, real talk. Mr. C. Mr. C. Step swimming. Jadakiss. EPMD. Eric B. and Rakim. Method Man and Red Man. Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. Yours truly the curator, the lit digital DJ Funk Flex on the set. Hosted by Nessa, Ebro, Peter Rosenberg, and Laura Stale. 30th anniversary of Summer Jam. 30% off right now. This offer ends at midnight.